0: And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers.
1: Hi, and welcome to the real estate way to wealth and freedom podcast episode 204. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're taking the time to invest in yourself and learn about real estate investing. Trust me, this is going to be a worthwhile episode today because we are bringing on guest Dustin Heiner. Now, Dustin is a real estate investor, father, husband, and host of the Master Passive Income podcast, where he shares information about how to build passive income so that you can live the life you want. So obviously a lot of similarities between Dustin and what we talk about here on the show. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. All right, today I welcome on the show, Dustin Heiner. Dustin, hey, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate being here, Jacob.
1: Hey, it's our pleasure. Well, Dustin, can you tell the audience members a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got started in the world of real estate investing? Can you just take us through your journey up to this point?
2: Yeah, so I realized that I didn't like working for somebody else <laughs> and actually found that out as of, at a very young age. I even had a newspaper route where I was delivering newspapers, trying to make money and I really enjoyed that. But fast forward through my life, I always wanted to be more entrepreneurial and wanted to work for myself and also be financially independent. So I didn't have to worry about somebody dangling that carrot, that paycheck in front of my nose and making me go the direction they want me to go. I was about 25 or 26 years old when I decided to start investing in real estate. It really was because of passive income. I'm not creative, like I can't create songs that are going to be played over and over again and make me money or I'm not like Stephen King's writing books. And so I want a I found out that if you buy a house and rent it out, somebody's going to pay you money for it and pay off the rest of the balance of the mortgage that you have and so many great benefits. So I just got married when I was 26, just turning 27. I I just got married. I didn't have any savings. My wife had some savings when we got married and we got a little bit of money from the wedding. I took all that money and bought my first rental property like six months (laughs) after we got married. So I was like, wife, you're going to have my, you know, honey, you're going to have to trust me that I'm doing the right thing. And now 12 years later, I quit my job when I was 37 years old and haven't had a job and will never need a job again. And so that's the process of me getting into it now. I just absolutely love real estate. (laughs) Well, that can
1: be a hard sell starting out a new marriage, right? Like, hey, let's take all of our money and put it towards real estate investing. So I can just uh, imagine how that went.
2: I was very excited that she actually said yes. She comes from a family that's very risk averse. You know, her dad was a teacher, her mom was a stay at home mom, so she didn't like the thought of risk at all. And so, put my tip my hat to her because she wasn't really on board until I actually walked her through the entire process, how we're going to make money and all that good stuff. And then she said yes, and then the rest is history. Now, what's great? The first property that I bought, I bought a really really cheap property. I mean, seventeen thousand dollars cash. So I took all of our savings, bought that home for cash for seventeen thousand dollars. And in order to get her okay with actually buying that property. I walked her through all the numbers. I walked her through everything, how we're going to make sure we're making money and people managing and all that sort of stuff. So that was the first property. So she had to know everything about it. Now, now I have 30 plus properties now. Recently, I bought three single family homes and a duplex off of an investor. Didn't tell her about anything. I just said, hey, babe, we just bought three single family homes and a duplex. She goes, okay, good, because she knows that the business runs well. when We have a good system built.
1: Yeah, I love that. So from going from that very first $17,000 deal, running through all of those numbers, and now you're just casually mentioned, hey, we just added five units to our portfolio. What's for dinner, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, uh, kind of step back for a second and talk us through that very first deal. I know you mentioned you weren't you know, like a creative guy. You weren't a Stephen King or you weren't going gonna to write next hit song. So with that, why real estate? What was it about real estate that drew you to that?
2: So I've always been into building and properties in general, not necessarily like buying and selling real estate, but my dad was a contractor. So when I was in high school, I was framing houses on slabs in the 110 degree heat. So I was always just around building single family homes and everything. So I always had the idea that it'd be great to be a part of that. And as I was getting into jobs and realizing that working for somebody else is horrible, I thought, let me look at real estate. But then I did read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And fantastic book that really got me started on the passive income idea. And then from there, I saw that what Robert does is he buys rental properties. I said, well, I might try that. And so I just took me down the path of trying to learn as much as I could in order to buy that first property and get it rented.
1: Yeah, awesome. So it was really like that need for doing something on your own, generating that passive income. Um, having that asset class that pays you every month is really kind of what it seems. Just like a lot of people, that's why many people get into it.
2: Oh, yeah. So, my ultimate goal was to quit my job. Like, I literally wanted to never work for somebody again. That was my ultimate, ultimate goal. And every single step in the business was in that direction. And so, every bit of sacrifice we met or made, my wife and I. So, for eight years, we sacrificed as much as we could. Like, our only one vacation would be driving from Fe- California to Phoenix to see the in laws, and everything else, I wouldn't do anything else because. I would think that one extra dollar is one less property I could buy. So when I I first started, I was living in California. I now live in Phoenix where my in-laws are, but I started investing when I was in California. And the first property that I bought was in Ohio. And the reason why it was in 2007 when the market was crashing and everything, or right before it crashed, I didn't see it crashing. I realized in California, it's really, really hard to make cash flow. I was trying to run the numbers and it just wasn't working out, especially where I was and all the other areas in California. So I just branched out. I said, Hey, somebody has to live other places. So anyway, went to Ohio, bought that first property for cash for $17,000, got it rented out. I think it was rented for $550 a month. I still actually own it. So it works really well for me.
1: Yeah, awesome. So kind of walk us through that mindset when you were going to buy that very first property across the country, $17,000 in a down market, which you didn't realize was on a downward spiral, I'm sure at the time. Walk us through the numbers, walk us through the mindset, just walk us through that whole deal.
2: Yeah. So this actually was not the down yet. It was still going up. And so I thought, wow, there's properties that People can buy for like seventeen to twenty thousand dollars to twenty five thousand dollars, and I thought, man, that's cheap compared to California price two hundred fifty thousand dollars for a sure, yeah. Family. And so I thought, you know what, let me go ahead and try it. So what really came down to it was I was so determined, like I'm persistent and I'm stubborn and I'm determined. I like I need to make this work. I'm so tired of working for somebody else. And so I was looking all over the country and out of all places, I found the property or a few properties on eBay. I don't know how I found properties on eBay, but I actually did. And the fear of buying that first property really set in because it's so far away, you know, three, 4,000 miles away and I literally cannot see it, but I knew there's probably had to be a way that somebody else would manage it and all that stuff. So, so I started really branching out. And this is just before it really started taking off and in helping investors like us. Like nowadays, it's so much better to invest out of state. And so I literally flew there because I, my wife was so concerned about buying a house <laughs> so far away. So I had to fly there. I saw maybe like five properties, talked to property managers, talked to realtors, tried to build my team around me. And as I was doing that, I got more comfortable with, okay, here's $17,000. Like all of our life savings, like this is it. Let's buy it property. And so that's how I got past the fear was really educating myself in the numbers and the processes and building a business and a team around me. And then at the same time, going there, flying there and seeing. In fact, that was the only time I've actually flown to see properties. I have 30 plus properties now, and I've literally only seen that one. The first one I bought, the other ones I haven't actually seen until like I was telling you, Jacob, in Houston, I went and saw it two years ago. One property that I have specifically, I went there because I was, hey, let's go check out that one property. But I didn't physically see it before I actually bought the property. So every where I invest, I don't fly there anymore. I just trust the other people, everybody on my team to tell me the right things about the property.
1: Yeah, sure. And I love what you said there, you're hedging this risk with education. So you're going there, you're learning all these numbers, you're building your team, you're kind of becoming more familiar with the market, you're able to kind of reduce your risk that way. And I think it's really important to just kind of draw out and highlight for our audience members who are maybe thinking about investing out of state, we've got a lot of audience members that live in California and are almost forced to invest out of state. So maybe they're in a similar position. And I think 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 that's really important to note there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely possible. And that's something that I really love to do is finding a whole brand new area of the country to invest and start implementing and building a business there and then buying the property. So I, I equate it to something like this. Imagine you have a convenience store. You're starting a business. It's a convenience store. Well, there's a lot of work to start the business. Everything from making sure you have the right vendors, make sure you have a bank account, you have the right legal structure, make sure you have employees, make sure the business is set up. And one of the last things is you get the inventory inside your store. And so the way I equate it is I'm building every single place, new area that I, the country that I invest, I have to build that business first around that city or that area that I'm going to invest. And then from there, each one of those properties that I buy is like an inventory. So imagine like a candy bar, one candy bar is an inventory that I put in my store, same exact thing. Each property that I buy one, two, three, four, that's just another inventory in that business. So the biggest thing, the biggest tip I could give everybody is build the business first before you add actually put offers in on properties so that they can do the work, verifying that the property looks good, inspecting it, telling you how much it's going to rent. The bad thing is you don't want to buy a property and then have no property manager just want to rent it because it's a bad area. The <laughs> yeah. Place. So yeah, that's the way I do it.
1: Well, Dustin, when you're looking at out-of-state properties and out-of-state markets, what are you looking for exactly in terms of both markets and property types? Walk us through your kind of philosophy there.
2: That is a fantastic question. And I get a lot of people talking about many different aspects, but this is what I shoot for. I shoot for as little money, and it's easy to say this, harder to do, but as little money out of my, out of my pocket as possible for as much money coming back in my pocket every single month in passive income. So I'll give you an example. Like if I could find a house that is in the Midwest, which I found is a decent area, a really good area of the country to invest in the Midwest, you can find properties for 50000 $60,000, and they'll probably rent for maybe $800.00. 850, somewhere around there. That's a decent return. That's less money out of my pocket. So the criteria that I use and I tell all my students is shoot for $250 or more per month in passive income after all your expenses. And you're going to be sitting really, really well. And you're not going to have to worry so much about the evictions or the market economy dropping or anything like that. But I know it's hard to do. It just takes more work. I just know that I've bought properties that I have basically maybe $100, $125 in passive income every single month. Well, if it's just $100 in one year, that's only $1,200 in profit. And if you have one furnace go out there, that eats up your entire profit. So that's why I like to say, for me, I look for as little money coming out of my pocket as possible with as much coming in and a minimum of $250 in passive incomes, because I don't invest for appreciation. I invest for passive income, monthly passive income, so I can quit my job.
1: Yeah, sure. So you're looking for that passive income, step one. Step two, you kind of have to build this team, like you mentioned, like you're synonymating it to this convenience store. So you're going into a new market of- it might be the very first property you've bought in, say, Houston. So what kind of team members are you developing there to begin with?
2: So if you're thinking of a team, I like to equate it to something like a football team. Your number one position on the team is the quarterback. Like they're the leader, they're the general, and that is what you need. You need a good quarterback for your team, and that's a property manager. If you have a good property manager, your life runs smoothly. If you have a bad property manager, your life is horrible. You're not making money. In fact, they're costing you money. They're not getting it rented, picking bad tenants. So the biggest emphasis I would give you is hiring slow when you're finding your property manager. I've had property managers that were stealing from me, and I had to fire them really quickly to try to get and get a new property manager in there. So the biggest and best key I can give you is hire slow when you're finding a property manager and make sure that you can trust the person, make sure that they seem trustworthy, that you can actually work with them. So along with the property manager, that's like the quarterback. Now, I really like having wide receivers and running backs and those types of people would be realtors and wholesalers. I absolutely love both. They're both fantastic. They both serve the function of finding me good deals. And so I get as many of those on my team as possible. Now, if you want to think of anybody that's going to be taking care of blocking you and protecting you, that'd be your offensive line, you would want inspectors and contractors and roofers. And so out of all these different types of team members, I usually interview at least two or three of every single position just to make sure I can work with somebody. Because the last thing I want is to have somebody on my team that I'm like, oh man, I got to call this guy again. Okay, here we go. I don't want that. I want to be like, okay, I'm not worried about calling him because he or he or she because they're okay to work with. So that's the team that I would start to build. Now there's other things like accountants and lawyers and things like that. But that's not necessarily in the business where you're at. So yeah, building your team is very, very key to having a successful business.
1: Yeah, sure. So when you're talking to people who are maybe going to invest out of state for the very first time, what are some common things you tell people that are facing that possible investment?
2: Again, it goes back to the team around you. it's not too hard, even though some people or most people, unless you've actually done it, it seems hard to actually find a new area to invest in. Somebody tells you, hey, I heard it's really cheap over here. or This is a good place. That might be good. But then again, it might not. To actually know what you're looking for, it takes a little bit of skill, a little bit of understanding and education and knowledge. And so two things, finding a certain area to invest in that you can continually buy more inventory. So you don't want to just find, hey, this is one great property, but then you can't continually put more properties or more inventory in your business. So you want to find an area that you can continue to buy more properties that are going to be in your inventory. The other thing is really the number one thing. And I get students all the time saying, hey, how how about this property? These are the numbers. This is what it looks like. My first question back to them is what does your property manager say? And sometimes or say almost half the time they say, well, I haven't asked. And then my question back is, have you actually even asked them in the sense like, have you hired them on? Are they a part of your team? And if they say no, they don't even have a property manager. I say, well, you're putting the cart before the horse. You got to get property managers. Somebody, On the ground, that's actually going to give you good understanding of the market if they're willing to manage the property. How much is going to rent for? So basically, building your team before you start investing is the ultimate key that I can give you.
1: Yeah, and one thing I've seen, Dustin, I'm sure you've seen it too, is it might be a bit counterintuitive, but you really do need that relationship with the property manager before you ever have the property, right? So it's okay to go to a property manager and say, "Hey, I'm looking at buying in the area. What types of properties or what types of areas do you specialize in? Do you have any?" recommendations on certain geographies of the city, property types, different kinds of market insights. You can go to that property manager before you've ever got a property in that market.
2: That is absolutely right. I love talking to my property managers, especially when they say, because they have their finger on the pulse. They know other investors that they're working with, and they'll say, hopefully, if they're good property managers, they want you to succeed because they make money when you succeed. So they're going to say, this is a hot area. This is a good area to stay in. This is not a good area of this whole entire city. This is up and coming. Here's one key that I'll give everybody. If you don't live in the area, you won't necessarily know where crime and problem areas shift because over time, problem areas shift. And so when I started, when I, the very, very first property that I bought, I bought in the Southeast corner of this particular city and the crime was in the Southwest. Well, over 10, 12 years now, the crime shifted over now. So it's in the Southeast and I just bought it and I didn't really have a good idea. I didn't know to ask questions and really build the business well. And so now I always ask property managers questions like that. Like, where do you see trends? what do you see? So basically they are your eyes and ears and they're going to tell you as much as they can to help you be successful.
1: Yeah, sure. Now, what other things would you have to tell people about possibly investing out of state beyond interviewing a good property manager, surrounding yourself with a good team, any types of common pitfalls you see out of state investors making?
2: A big one is really finding properties and getting excited about a property. If you're building that convenience store again, back to that analogy, and are you going to get excited about a candy bar that you're putting inside there? No, not really, because it's just, Part of your inventory, and so what people get overexcited on. Hey, this property looks like X, Y, and Z. It looks really, really good, and then some issues come up, and like, well, it's still like it's still good because you know they get bought into it. Well, for me, like I said, it's just a piece of inventory. If it doesn't fit, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to overpay. And a big key is making sure you're making money every single month from that property.
1: Sure. Well, a bit switching gears here, but what's your thought on turnkey rentals versus going and finding a property yourself, possibly bringing it up, just hiring contractors, placing a tenant, hiring a property manager? Do you have a thought one model versus
2: the other? Absolutely. Yes, I do. That's a great question. And I actually did a podcast on this because I was getting irritated at all the... <laughs> different. There's a lot of turnkey property companies out there, and there are a lot of bad ones. I could count on a, my hand, maybe one or two that are actually good property, uh, you know, turnkey companies. So there are a lot of bad ones that are actually getting sued right now. And it's one well, name and names, but it's not the best. So I personally believe that every single person who has the desire to build a business is absolutely capable of doing it. I mean, I'm not that smart, but I figured it out and I did it. If I could do it, honestly, everybody can. Now here's the little difference, the little nuance. If you find a good turnkey company, which I've narrowed down to one or two, and if my students who are building the business, if they are a little more wealthy, like say doctors or lawyers or something, they have more cash. And they don't mind paying somebody else to, to do the work because that's what happens with turnkey companies. You basically, you're buying into a property that gives you cash flow, lower cash flow. So you're not paying lower the dollar amount. You're paying the dollar amount that they want you to pay for that property. So they're taking their commission. Now, if you have little, little time, like very little time, and you have extra money, then yeah, if you find a good company, then it would be good to go with. But my personal belief, why do that when it's so, I want to say easy, it's just simple to build a business yourself. And then once you have that business built, you just keep rolling it. I mean, takes me literally 3 hours from beginning to end from finding a property well in looking for it so i find a property buy it and get it rented out of my time only 3 hours once i have the business set everybody else does all the work
1: Yeah, well, let's kind of dig into that. What are some good systems processes that you have in place for helping you invest out of state? Because you kind of can build a process and go apply it to Indianapolis, go apply it to Houston, go apply it to wherever and kind of just rinse and repeat that process, if you will. So walk us through some things that are working well for you.
2: A big one would be utilizing the internet. Like I said in the beginning, the internet when I first started was nowhere near as good as it is now. (laughs) And there's so many amazing tools out there. And even something as simple I know there is a few, I would say issues, but when you look at Zillow.com, it's a good website. It pulls all the listings, pulls all the characteristics of the homes and all that sort of stuff. So it's good. But then also you got to look at their numbers. You just got to kind of understand Zillow. They're not- the You can't best- trust
1: those estimates.
2: Exactly. You can't. That's why I have people on the ground that are actually like the property manager telling me what the, uh, and realtors that are telling me the truth. Anyways, in order to find a new area, this, my personal opinion is I just go to Zillow. That's one really good website. And I can zero down from going, just looking at America and then zooming in into like, say, let's say Mississippi and then just keep zeroing down and keep trying to find areas to have price points of what I want with a rent with what I want. And then from there, I start calling up property managers and start working with the people there on the ground. So I have found that that is a good way. Another really good way, there's a company, I'm not really necessarily promoting them, but I've used them, I tell my students them, roofstock.com. It's basically a marketplace for investors like us to sell properties. Like if I'm selling a property, because I want to move it into an apartment complex or something like that. Well, then they'll list it on there. They do a really good job of showing all the pro formas, the income expenses. They even run inspections and they basically run everything that you would normally do yourself. Obviously, you should do your own due diligence. Don't just take what they say, but it's just another great, great tool that's free. So Roofstock.com, Zillow.com is really, really beneficial. One other one I'll quickly give you. I definitely don't mind talking about this company because they're terrific. If you manage the property yourself, because I do manage a few of them myself just because because I know that the building and I, I know everything about the tenants and everything cozy.co cozy is a company that is absolutely free for property managers like our um, landlords, like us and property managers and all the income expenses people can pay online. They run background checks and it's so great. So cozy.co is another really, really great free tool. I'm pretty frugal. So I like using free things and Roofstock, cozy and Zillow are all free.
1: Yeah. Great stuff. So yeah, some really good uh, resources there that allow you to kind of go into a, a new market market, analyze it quickly, see where those price points that are going to return that price point, that rent to value ratio that you're looking for there. And then you're able to kind of look a little bit deeper into deals, find deals that work for you. And of course, that's when, you know, really kind of start putting some boots on the ground, trying to get those connections with property managers and realtors and wholesalers and contractors and, and the whole team there. So yeah, you know, it's a process that you can kind of start to build and improve over time and you, know, you can take it from one place to another and apply it. So I'm really big on systems and processes and procedures. So good stuff there.
2: Awesome. Yeah, same here. I have grown a custom, not having any responsibilities personally. Like I just go to the gym, come home, have breakfast with my family and just hang out all day and maybe write a blog or do a podcast. But I love not having any responsibilities and putting in place systems, like you just said, that's the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, sure. So when you're looking at these uh, investment properties, why did you originally kind of settle on single family homes? And what's your philosophy in terms of scaling your portfolio there? Are you good with, you know, kind of, where you're at? Are you looking to expand exponentially? What's it look like for you?
2: So I wanted to make sure that, like I said, the ultimate goal was to quit my job. Like that was the absolute, I needed the fastest way to get there. Now I know buying apartment complexes is a syndication. It's absolutely fast way to do that. But then I had to have experience. I had to have credibility. I had to find investors and all that sort of stuff. So now fast forward after I've already quit my job, 30 plus properties in the, in the inventory and we have plenty of money coming in. Now I'm actually doing a few things. Syndication where that's, that's I would be getting apartment complexes and having other investors come in with me, so I'm doing that. Also, commercial and industrial locations, buying those, renting them out to you know businesses and things like that, and then at the same time buying land and developing land. I just love real estate in general, and I under- it clicks in my brain. Like some people, accounting clicks. Well, I'm stupid, so accounting does not click in my <laughs> brain. But real estate clicks, and so that's why I stick with it. And so now I'm getting to all three of those, and it's just fun learning all these great ways to invest my money and make my family even more wealthy.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Going back to what you said earlier in the episode that your dad was a contractor and you were kind of had that basis of understanding of you know how to do renovations around a house and things. You just kind of understood that, kind of gravitated towards it and that was your quickest way to get out of the rat race and quit your day job. And it worked for you. So now that you've done that, starting to venture in some different deals and kind of explore some different avenues in real estate. That's the great thing about real estate. There's so many ways to do
2: it, right? Absolutely. There sure are. There really, really are And, and I would consider investing is where you put your money in there. And it actually makes money for you. I personally don't believe wholesaling is investing because it's work. If you don't make that next wholesale, you're not investing. And then also flipping is not investing. But at the same time, it's all about real estate. And I love real estate. So I'm not against doing any of those. I just know that I like now I'm at the point where I park my money in a place that makes me more money. And it's just absolutely the best way to go.
1: Yeah, sure. Wholesaling and flipping, not exactly the most investment avenues in real estate, if you will. Well, Dustin, what are some common pitfalls you see of beginning real estate investors trying to invest out of state for their first time?
2: A common pitfall would be jumping the gun, or basically putting the cart before the horse, buying a property before they actually build the business. Now, I have one student in particular that I'm thinking of. He's got a great head on his shoulders, but when he started working with me as a coaching student, he already had, I think, three properties under his belt. And now I'm helping him realize that there's a better way to do it. So he jumped the gun and now he's somewhat paying for it. It's a rather bummer. I Even have another student that did the exact same thing. And so I try to help them to understand that there's a step by step process in order to do it right. It's everything from building the, you know, finding the area, building the business, running the numbers, finding the property, buying it, and all that. And then actually having, picking good tenants, doing background checks. Like one big tip I'll give everybody if you're not doing background checks on every single one of your tenants, you must do that. I'll give you one story. I had one property. I never really did background checks. I was like, oh, it's, you know, $35. That's going to be another expense because the tenants, potential tenants, didn't want to pay that. And I started realizing, well, it's going to cost me $1,800, maybe $2,000 to turn over a property, getting a bad tenant in there. I might as well pay $35 to find a good tenant that's not going to cost me $2,000. So sum it all up, I had one potential tenant apply. On paper, looked fantastic, looked absolutely great. And then I ran the background check. It turns out she had been infected four times in the last three years. And I said, I am not going to be the fifth time. So I passed on her. So absolutely do background checks.
1: Yeah, if I would have just done background checks, like starting out as a, real estate investor, Dustin, I would have saved myself a couple really big headaches. So yeah, yeah, it's a lesson learned looking back. Yeah, it's one of those things you've got to be doing it. It's a very low expense to do it and will definitely prevent you from getting into the wrong tenant, which can really make or break your whole real estate investment. Well, Dustin, when you're talking about investing out of state, it kind of takes a bit of a certain mindset to be able to kind of overcome that fear and buy a property several thousand miles away. Or what kind of tips would you have to somebody? In just terms of like their mindset and perspective on things to be able to successfully invest out of state.
2: That is actually a fantastic question. I recently did a podcast episode, a couple of them on that because it just that exact specific thing was I was getting so many questions. Like people are saying, "Well, I'm afraid about this, or I'm afraid about that." And there's so many fears. And I basically every single investor goes through all those fears. I mean, absolutely, we all go through them. Worried about losing money, worried about buying a money pit, worrying about you know people destroying your house, all that sort of stuff. So what I do is, or what I did was, I'll give you a couple key points. Number one, you want to focus on the goal, focus on the ultimate outcome that you want to see for your investing. Mine was to literally quit my job. So I didn't have to work for somebody else again, where they couldn't fire me for whatever reason or lay me off. I literally had my own money taken care of because of my property. So I focused on that goal. So focus on the goal, the why, why are you investing and try not do your best to never lose sight of that goal. Because if you take your eyes off that goal, then you're just prolonging how long it takes to actually achieve that goal. Another one that I would strongly recommend, I would have saved myself tens of thousands of dollars if I would have done this, is really to get educated. And more than just reading a book, because that's what I did. And I've lost thousands and thousands of dollars (laughs) because I didn't actually get educated. I didn't actually get a mentor. I didn't get a coach. I didn't invest in myself. Now, we all go to college and we spend a lot of money on college to hopefully get a job. I should have been smart and spent money on a coach that has, it's already there where I want to be, and then I just follow the path that he gives me. That's definitely another one is getting educated. Also, another big thing is you want to have your understanding with that education, the numbers in your head. You need to really understand. Like I said, I'm not the best at numbers. I'm not an accountant, but I forced myself to figure them out. And in doing that, I was able to understand what I'm buying and understanding what I'm investing in. So understand the numbers, making sure you're making passive income. Another thing I would say is do your research on the entire um, area that you're going to invest. Do your research on the property managers and interview maybe three or four at one time to pick the right one. So do your research. So basically, knowledge is going to help that fear pushed away. So you want to keep growing yourself and helping yourself to move past that fear because the fear is going to stop us unless we push through it.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's like we were saying earlier in the show, right? Like knowledge is a hedge against risk, right? So if you're afraid to go out and buy that. very first property out of state. Educate yourself first, get a base level of understanding, read books, listen to podcasts like this and master passive income, kind of develop that base knowledge. And then you're able to go out and take action and be confident in your approach to successfully investing out of state.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, when you're talking about quitting your job and you're coaching people to be able to do that, what kind of metrics are you looking at? What kind of uh, steps are you coaching people to do that, Dustin? Is it you need to have 20 doors
2: or is it need to have X amount of dollars a month in passive income? What's the approach and what are some things you teach there? So it starts with working backwards like where are your expenses at now like if you're going to quit your job you need to know how much money you're spending now a little quick tip would be we can work out a couple of the expenses and really look at what we're spending money on to lower that in amount of that were expenses that are our expenses and so that's the first step is seeing how much we need to bring in every single month in order just to cover our expenses now that's not enough we need to make more money so we can continually invest which is absolutely what we need to do so we look at our expenses first and then we work backwards from there and we also take into account how much we're making from our job. See, I was making $75,000 for my job before I quit. And even though I was making $75,000, I realized I was losing money by working there. It's $75,000, but I was still losing money. And that was the time I said, you know, it's time for me now to quit. Plus I got my life back. It was fantastic. Now I traveled the world and everything. So it's great. So you start with expenses, how much your expenses are every single month. And if you can't cut some of those out to lower that amount down from there, we look at how many properties we're going to have to buy. And remember the tip that I gave everybody, you want to start with $250 or more in passive income. Like I said, it's hard to do. We work towards it. And that's what the process that we work towards is getting that. Now, if you get down to 200, that's okay. But like I said, just shoot for 250. And if you do that, then let's say you had $5,000 that there are your expenses every single month. Well, you just need to have enough properties that are at $250 a month to make up for that expenses. And then I always say you want to tack on, Now, don't just try to get to your expenses. If $5,000, you need to add another expense. And that's your investing expense. You got to make sure that you're putting more money away so you can buy more properties and continue to build your business after you quit your job.
1: Yeah, sure. I really like that approach. So you're saying if you follow this investing criteria of investing in 250 or with the expectation of getting $250 a door in cash flow per month per property, and let's say you break down your expenses and that comes to say $5,000 a month you need to live the life you currently are and, and then have money for investing, that comes to down to twenty properties you need. So, how long will it take you to acquire twenty properties? And that's kind of like your path to retirement, if you will.
2: Yes, it absolutely is. And what's funny is when I started, I didn't know that. I, I just started buying properties, and so I just <laughs> kept buying up. But what it was actually interesting for me in six years because I actually went through all my HUD statements. I looked at all the properties in six years. I had nineteen properties, and they were each making a minimum of two hundred fifty dollars or more. And I was, I think, gross rents were like ten thousand dollars a month. And I think I was bringing home like six thousand five hundred, seven thousand or something like that. Looking back, you're absolutely right. That's exactly the same place that I was. in six years I built up that business to have nineteen properties, but it did take me another two and a half years to get the courage to actually quit. Cause you know, leaving that W-2 job, that's hard to do. That's another factor in the equation, right? It sure
1: is. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dustin, I'm sure it hasn't always ever been easy for you. I'm sure there have been some bumps in the roads. So or what are some personal hurdles you've had to overcome investing out of state? And what were those? How'd you overcome them? Walk us through maybe a couple things there.
2: Yeah, that is absolutely a great question. And the thing that I touched on this a little earlier, the thing that I would go back and tell myself, like the hurdles and things, like give you an example, one big hurdle, or a hurdle, uh, problem was because I didn't know. I went ahead and bought a property. Actually, I bought two different properties really, really relatively in the same time period. I didn't know that this was going to happen. But anyways, I bought two properties and it was in the downturn. I think it was like 2010, 2009, 2010, something like that, that the property had been sitting vacant for a year. And I had no clue that there was something in the county code that if it sits vacant for a year, you actually have to make sure that the electricity, the electrical is up to code. So these are older homes and actually buy the property, go to turn on the electricity and they say, we can't, you have to have an inspection first. They have to prove it. Long story short, it did not pass. I had to spend 35 $500 per property in order to get the property complete because I had to completely rip out all the electrical put in a whole new panel and run the wiring it didn't have the um, the ground and all that sort of stuff if I would have known that beforehand I probably would have adjusted the price the what I would have offered for the property so going through pitfalls like that and it has now built in so much information in my brain that I have like with all my coaching students they come across issues and I said well I've experienced that this is what's going to happen if you do this like one example one of my students said hey I want to buy a property for some reason and it has to sit for two years without being rented. There was nobody living. And I said, that sounds weird. But if you do that, and he was kind of fine with doing it because he was looking for the long-term of like appreciation all that sort of stuff, which I don't agree with, but he wanted to do that. And so what I I told him was, here's the big problem that you might run into because I've experienced this. If the property sits vacant, more than likely your landlord insurance, your homeowner's insurance is not going to cover it because it only covers occupied properties. So if it sits for two years, that's a long time for something to happen and your insurance will not cover it. So anyways, it's really... Getting education that and having somebody that's going to help you, you know, hey, hey, I'm here. Let me walk you through it. So if I were to go back and tell my younger self, do this, it'd be like, hey, get somebody that's going to help you because it's going to save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, Dustin, going forward, what's in store for you in the future? What does the future look like for Dustin Heiner?
2: Yeah, thank you. So I just love business in general. So I'm actually in the process of starting 24-7, a 24-7 access gym, a big gym. So I'm actually being a real estate professional that I am or investor that I am, I am buying either land and building or buying an actual location with a company that I'm setting up. And then I'm setting up a whole brand new company that's going to be the gym that's going to rent from my other company. So I could sell either one. I don't have to sell them both together. So I'm making money both ways, which is great. But like I said, doing syndications and getting investing in land and building and stuff like that. So that's where I'm going.
1: That's awesome. What drives you? Why are you doing what you're doing now? Now that you, you know, have quit your job and you're able to spend time with your family, why are you continuing to invest? What motivates you? What kind of drives you?
2: Yeah, I love that question. When I was 27 years old, I gave myself a goal. I said in 10 years you're going to quit your job no matter what. Like even if you don't have the plan, like you're not in place where you can, okay. you're still going to quit. So it's a deadline. Like I have to do it. I achieved it and for 10 years I had that goal. I had that deadline of me getting there and it was something that I strive for. I was able to sh- sacrifice for and push for. Now after 2 plus years of not having a goal, like it was accomplished, I started feeling like, man, I need a goal. I need something to shoot for. So now my new goal is to make $1 million dollars a year in profit from all my businesses. And that's the that's what it's not that I need the million dollars, I have plenty of money now, which is praise the Lord, it's great that I have plenty of money that's just a metric that I can use to say I've achieved my goal. And plus, I can help serve more people with that more money. So yeah, that's what I'm striving for. Because I'm a driven person and I need something like that. I can't just play video games or just goof off all day. I have to be doing something productive.
1: Yeah, sure. It's always helpful to have something to shoot for and strive towards even if it's well beyond maybe what you think. Think you can even achieve. So yeah, I love that, that million dollar profit a year per goal so that you can turn around and continue to help people achieve what you've achieved. I think that's really important. Having those goals and having those reasons why is a really important thing as a real estate investor. Absolutely. Well, Dustin, hey, it's been a lot of fun kind of talking with you, learning your journey and seeing how you've made out-of-state investing work for you and how it's allowed you to retire and live the life you want and give back and do things that interest you. So a lot of great insight there. As we're starting to wrap up the conversation here, we always end every episode with our famous lightning round, just a series of questions we'd like to fire at you. You up for that?
2: I sure am.
1: All right. Well, the first question in the lightning round is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what did you do to overcome that?
2: Yeah. I definitely had the fear of the unknown. I was afraid. And just like most people are when they're starting something new, especially spending lots of money to invest in something. It was the fear of the unknown and everything that I shared earlier about how to get past that fear, that's what got me past that. And so a big one is really just getting education, making myself knowledgeable so that fear just creeps away because I completely, or as best I can, understand the process.
1: Yeah, I love that. Well, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your
2: success? Yeah, it is being completely focused and driven towards my goal and not letting anything stand in my way. Now, if I have in the past taken my eyes off the goal and actually added a year onto my before I was able to quit. So it added an extra year, which was rather irritating. Now I shifted now where I don't do that. I always put my eye on the goal.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, do you have an online resource that you find valuable in your day to day?
2: I'm absolutely going to pitch the same company. Like I said, they're they're fantastic. So I just, I love using them and my students love them. Cozy.co, C-O-Z-Y.co. Great company. I've talked to the people that actually work there, the super cool people, and it's a fantastic software. So if you're going to do any property management yourself, that is a free, awesome resource for you. Yeah, I love that. Well, what book
1: would you recommend to the listeners and why?
2: I have a number of books that are self-help that are fantastic, but one that I would say is probably one of the best ones outside of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was a big book for me to help down the path. This book was great. It's called Richest Man in Babylon. I absolutely love that book. It in story form really helps you understand principles of money that's been around forever.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, that's a really good one. A classic. It's by, uh, the last name is Claussen. We'll link that book in the show notes. Audience members are interested in picking that up. Last question in the lightning round, Dustin, if you were to give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, would you go back and tell yourself?
2: Yeah, I would absolutely go back and tell myself to work to get knowledge. Don't work to earn money. Here's something that's actually kind of funny. I invest in my education. Like I go to conferences. I I basically just try to help myself to grow. And that's where my money goes aside from my properties and building my business. And what I would actually do in order to work to get knowledge, I would literally pay Warren Buffett money to work for him. Like I would work and pay him money just to work for him because all the knowledge and wisdom I would get from that guy, I would make money. So that's what I would go back. can tell myself is don't work to make money, work to learn, and then implement that into your life so you don't have to do that anymore.
1: That's awesome. If only you would have been able to tell yourself that, it would have been a different story (laughs) today. So, Well, Dustin, hey, you're actually no stranger to talking real estate behind the mic as you host your own real estate investing podcast called Master Passive Income. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing over there with your website, your podcast, your blog, and all of that stuff.
2: Yeah, thanks, Jacob. So Yes, I do have my podcast where I talk about everything about rental properties. I don't talk about flipping or wholesaling or anything like that, You know, other ways to work in real estate, just rental properties. So that's definitely my passion, even though I love every part of it. It's definitely my passion. So Master Passive Income podcast is where I talk all about real estate, rental properties. I basically just share everything that I know there, have a few interviews here and there, which is more random, just uh, people that have done it. But yes, yeah, so I have that. And masterpassiveincome.com is where I have my books that I, I have for sale. I have my articles. I have all that sort of stuff there. And if you want to reach out to me there, you can absolutely find me there. But if anybody wants to get started and just wants to see if investing in rental properties is the way to go, I have a free course. If you guys would want that, if you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, I'll send you a PDF that is a course that's going to walk you through. It's basically a mini course showing you every little bits of in and out of the benefits and how to do it and all that stuff with rental properties.
1: Yeah, awesome. So that's www.masterpassiveincome.com slash free course. We'll link that in the show notes if our audience members are interested in picking that up. Dustin, hey, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show. As we're wrapping up here, any parting piece of advice or guidance
2: for audience members or anything I should have asked you that I didn't? So one last thing would be thinking about the cheap rental properties that are out there because there are cheap rental properties. You can buy them for like $4,000. and But there are some pitfalls that I had to learn. Like It literally took me seven or Eight years to realize how to buy those properties right. So in order to buy those properties right, you, there are some things that you need to learn. So before you jump into that, come talk to me or come check out my blog. I have some <laughs> bunch of free articles there to hopefully mitigate a lot of problems that you could potentially run into.
1: Yeah, awesome. Love that. Well, Dustin, hey, thanks for all the great actionable advice you've provided, all the resources, all the knowledge. We'll link all those resources we mentioned in the show notes for audience members that are interested in learning more. Hey, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jacob. It's been a blast. Thank you you very much yeah awesome well till next time dustin take care you too All right, that wraps up this week's episode with our guest, Dustin Heiner. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you got so much value from Dustin in the conversation today. If you want to learn more about any of the resources we mentioned in today's conversation, you can find those in the show notes. As always, feel free to reach out and connect with me at www.jacobeyers.com. Till next week, engineer the lifestyle you want.